Hello, friends. Before we get to this week's podcast episode, permit me to make you aware of an opportunity that we believe you will really appreciate. This opportunity promises to help you keep a daily appointment with God and draw you closer to Him. One of the resources we offer is an online Bible study community that helps people like you and me meet up with God every day. So beginning February 1, our community will start a months-long journey through Paul's letter to the Romans, and we would love to invite you to join us. We will provide a daily reading guide, frequent, brief videos that explain and especially apply the text, and a community of like-minded souls who will encourage you to keep this daily appointment with God. We even provide short instructional videos for those of you who want to follow the three-column method of Bible study as we do. So to find those videos and the reading guide, just go to our website, EffectiveChurchLeaders.com, scroll to the bottom of the home page, and click the Praying Romans tab. So to join our online community where some of us post daily prayers that, that come from our daily reflection of the text, go to Facebook, then public groups, and look for the Praying Romans group. We'll be starting this group next week, so don't wait to get your reading guide and to sign up for our Facebook group. Plan to start what will be a great study of Romans with us on February the 1st. Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Carrie Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Becky Holton. Hello. Honey, the first thing I want to do in this podcast is to share with you and them, our listeners, a conversation I recently had with Jasper, if you don't mind. Good old Jasper. Right. You know, Jasper is my barber. I think I've talked about him before uh-huh. in this podcast. Uh, he's an older gentleman. He's probably in his 80s. He operates a one-chair, old-fashioned barber shop, still uses a straight-edge razor, you know. it's it's not. There's nothing like having a haircut with a straight-edge razor. Anyway. Sounds like Mayberry. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot like Mayberry. Anyway, <laughs> when I get in his chair, uh, he cannot resist talking about religion the church, about Jesus, about the Bible. He sees me coming, and he knows this is a conversation that we both enjoy. So uh, we, we enjoy that conversation about, about Jesus and about religion in general. Well, let me tell you about the last time I was in his chair. We were talking about religion and politics, and interestingly, he said he believed that our country may be entering a period in history when the church is under fire more than it has been in the recent past. Interesting. Yeah. He said that we might even have to suffer some kind of persecution. And, you know, I agreed with him. Then he said that he felt the church was primarily interested only in numbers, not people, and that we may be entering a time of purging when the church is purged, a time that would test the mettle of followers of Christ and then separate those who were truly serious about following Jesus from those who were not. And this from my barber, who tends to think deeply about current events and religion. I just thought it was very interesting. And that got me to thinking about the Apostle Paul 
and the struggles that he faced as a follower of Jesus, the times that he suffered for his faith in Jesus, the times that he was persecuted. Uh, for example, think about 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with me. Beginning in verse 4, Paul says, As servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. And then he goes on to talk about how he has been treated as a follower of Jesus. I just thought that was really interesting, that conversation with Jasper about what he sees on the horizon or what might happen to followers of Jesus, and then Paul's accounting of how he suffered and how he was persecuted. That is an interesting connection. And as I listen to you read those verses, it made me wonder, what do you think enabled Paul to endure everything he endured? You know, what helped him to hang on to the hope of heaven and even be grateful for all that God had done for him and, and the other reasons, you know, and I think one thing that enabled Paul to endure was that he believed he was called of God. He had a sense of calling. He really believed God had commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles, for instance, as he mentions in Ephesians 3, 2. Oh, I agree. I think that's one of the reasons he was able to endure. He really did feel a sense of calling. And I think there are other passages in the New Testament that demonstrate that. For example, Paul felt a sense of calling from Acts chapter 22, you know, when he recounts what Ananias told him at his conversion. The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And then in Acts chapter 26, he tells Agrippa that he was appointed to a certain task. So I think I think you're right. Paul had a deep sense of calling. Right. And and here's what Paul wrote, you recall, to the church in Corinth. He said in 1 Corinthians 9:16, if if I pro- proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting. Uh, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. This is one of the things I appreciate about so many of the prophets of the Old Testament as well. They, too, felt this sense of calling. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah I think, is a great example. Uh, he, he He's quoted in Isaiah 6-8 when he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I, I said, Isaiah speaking, Here am I, send me. You know, Isaiah felt God lay a hand on his shoulder and say, in essence, I have something I want you to do. Yes, and take Jeremiah as another example. He said, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, Then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. He felt that same sense of calling. Another Old Testament prophet, Amos, he wrote, The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord has spoken, 
who can but prophesy? Amos, too, felt that he was called on a mission. Yes. Well, let's get to the main point of this podcast and why we're talking about this. What we have noticed about God's people and God's leaders in biblical times is no less true for today. God's people today need to feel a sense of calling. God's leaders today need to feel that God has called them to his service. Church leaders need to feel a sense of calling they feel that they feel called by God to be an evangelist or a minister or a shepherd or a teacher or a ministry leader of God's people. They need to feel that calling. Yes, and I want to underscore for our listeners what we feel is the main point of this particular episode, and that is that not only should every church leader feel a sense of calling, but every Christian should mm-hmm. feel a sense of calling. In fact, I think there are scriptures that talk about that, how that every follower of Jesus is called by God. So whether they are ministers or elders or ministry leaders or parents or Bible teachers or servants of the Lord in some other way, each one should feel called to service in the Lord's kingdom. I agree wholeheartedly. So let's talk about the hard question. Let's talk about what might help someone to understand that they've been called. What's a confirmation of calling? How do we know if we're called to do something? Great, great question. Okay, let's consider that. Well, first of all, my expectation is that we would not be able to look to one event that confirmed a call, but rather to a series of confirmations. Let's encourage church leaders to ask themselves a set of questions And maybe the answers to these questions will help them to be able to confirm a calling. Right. I agree. It's a bit more of a complicated process. It's not just a one and done thing, um, but it is a series of confirmations, as you you said. And, And I think one of the first questions that church leaders can ask themselves is, what encouragement have I received from others every church leader might ask themselves that. We surely believe God is able to work and guide and lead through the encouragement and words of others. Uh, For example, have uh, a church leader might make some observations, have some very serious, spiritually minded and faithful Christians come to you and said something like this, have you thought of becoming an elder? I hope you'll consider it. I think you have some qualities that our church needs in the eldership. Good. Uh, Here's a second question that I think church leaders can ask. What opportunities to serve in certain ways have I been given? God surely opens and closes doors, right? Yes. Uh, Was it Paul? I think it was Paul who said, yes, to the church in Corinth, that he would stay in Ephesus a while longer because a wide door for effective work had opened to him. And later he wrote about what he experienced at Troas. He said, a door was opened for me in the Lord. So I think church leaders can ask themselves, what doors of opportunity have opened for me? If you are presented with an opportunity to serve in a certain way, perhaps God is calling you to do just that. 
I like that one. And I think a third question to confirm a call might be this. What have you learned from a combination of thought and prayer and personal reflection? And what we're talking about now is about allowing time for serious thought and prayer, waiting on the Lord and allowing him to work through our thought and mental and prayer processes. And especially we want to emphasize prayer. After giving a course of action, much thought and prayer, do you feel that God is calling you to serve him in some some special way? Good. Uh, What about a fourth question? Do you have one that we might ask ourselves or or a church leader, future church leader might ask themselves to confirm a calling? Yeah, I think a fourth question might be, do you have special training in an area? Mm. If you have been privileged to receive special training, in a certain field or endeavor, perhaps that is a signal that would confirm a certain calling. Also, I'm thinking of a fifth fifth question one might ask that is very similar to the one about having special training, and that is, what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? We could say that having certain gifts might be confirmation of a call, which makes me think of Romans 12 that says we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, and the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. I like that thought that God has given to each of us a certain grace. Right. And and I, I think we should I think we should underscore that idea that every follower of Jesus has been given a certain grace, don't you? I do. And sometimes I think we don't believe we have those abilities because we've never tried them out. Right. Right. I, I, th- I do think that's a great question to d- take a self-examination and ask, okay, what are the gifts that God has given me? For example, some people seem to have the gift of public speaking or teaching. Those gifts may confirm a call to teach or preach the gospel. Some people are able to encourage others. They just seem to have that gift of, of coming alongside people and encouraging them with a good word and Maybe that is a confirmation of a calling to be like a Barnabas, for example, in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with what you say here, but let me, if you don't mind, offer a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, I think we should also add that just because someone has a certain gift, that does not mean that he or she has a calling to use that gift. Uh, for example, we might say that just because someone has a beautiful singing voice, that doesn't mean that they should be a worship leader. Just because someone has the gift of leadership, that may not necessarily mean that he or she is called to be a leader. Uh, Take someone who has the gift of public speaking, for example. I don't think we would want to encourage someone to be a preacher just so he could have an outlet for his natural talents. I agree wholeheartedly. Having natural talents does not necessarily imply that one should feel called to do this or that. And also, just a little sidebar on that, I think this particular one is where confirmation from other people is vital. 
you know, sometimes we think we have a gift and we don't. Good. And sometimes we, it's very important to have someone say to us, you really are gifted in that area. Or, you know, I don't believe that's your your best gift. I think we need to search a little bit more. And all of this means we need to have some honesty with each other embedded in that. But moving on to the sixth question that one might ask to confirm a call, uh, and I think it's a very significant one, and that is, do you feel a strong desire to do something, even a passion to do something? Are you? What are you passionate about? I don't want to underestimate the strong desire as a confirmation of calling. Some people feel a passion to serve the Lord in certain ways. Maybe it is to do mission work or serve widows and orphans or to serve in a particular ministry. And that is so important. Mm -hmm. I think we should say that if you don't have a strong desire to do something, if you don't feel passionate about it, if it feels like maybe more of an obligation, you very likely don't have, you have not been called to do it. Good, good. I agree. And let's, let's pose one more question for those who may be looking to confirm a call. And here it is. Has anyone laid their hands on you? And I'm thinking just here of a congregational or church confirmation. Has your church in effect laid their hands on you and said, in essence, we would like for you to consider doing this or that. We think you have been gifted to do this. We see great potential in you. We see great opportunity for the Lord to use you in this way. And we want to lay our hands on you, in essence, and encourage you to give serious consideration to seeing this as a call from God. Right, right. And I, I think I agree 100% with that. And you know, that's even biblical now that I think about it. Right. I mean, here's Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Well, perhaps Timothy's gift was not transmitted through the laying on of the elders' hands, but rather his gift was confirmed by the laying on of their hands. Interesting. I, I, I think that's an excellent perspective. And the last question that we want to talk about is very, uh, very much like the first one we mentioned, and, and is how have others encouraged you to serve the Lord? In this seventh question, we are asking if mentors and others, and indeed the whole church of which one is a part, has encouraged you to follow a certain dream or to serve in a certain way. Yeah, I think that's very good. Very good. Okay, well, we've said that every Christian and every church leader should feel a sense of calling. And we've mentioned six or seven, I think, thoughtful questions that one might ask herself or himself to confirm a call. Do you have any closing thoughts, hon? Well, yes, I think we, we would encourage church leaders and others to consider, do you have a sense of calling? Is there something you feel you must do for the Lord? Is there a fire burning in your bones? If so, we want you to name it. Then we would encourage church leaders to be open to the call of God. One reason why this is so important is that this calling, this this sense of the, this fire, this sense of calling, uh, will enable many a church leader to endure hardship suffering, and loss. This sense of calling is what will keep someone in the Lord's service. 
uh, if you know clearly, in fact, it'd probably be great to write this down so you could refer back to the calling that you felt when you accepted it. And if you have faithfully believed and gone through a process of believing you were called, then when the hard times come, you can hang in the Lord's service. So we really encourage leaders to be open to a call and do not shy away from it. I think those are good words, honey. And I just want to underscore that we all need to feel a sense of mission. We really do. We need to feel a calling, a deep, strong, passion, desire to serve the Lord in some way. We all need to feel that we were put here on this earth at this particular time to fulfill some purpose for the Lord. As we've talked about this today, one other thought that's come to my mind is how important each of us in the body are to each other's calling. We really need to be the people that will encourage, support, call out gifts, and challenge people to um, fan that flame in their fire of service for God. Good. So, well, on that note, we will close another episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. 